if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Allow me to explain. It's free, and we all love free stuff. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more podcast platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, we got one more podcast to take care of before the entry draft tomorrow. Uh, as we get ready for the NHL entry draft, Matthew Zader joining me as always uh, at Matthew Zader SC on Twitter is where you can find him, head of prospects, NHL draft, Vancouver Canucks lead writer at hockeywriters.com. Matthew, I mean, hey, we saw not a lot of action during the expansion draft. I think a lot of people expected more uh, to go down. What was your overall? you know, thought of the fact that number one, the expansion draft picks being leaked as early as they were. I think it's more of a league problem over an insider problem over anything and kind of how it shook out. Yeah, it was actually interesting to see not many moves happen. Like the side deals that happened a lot with Vegas um, a few years ago didn't really happen. And uh, it, yeah, all the leaks and, but that's not the reporter's fault. That's their job to, to get the information right. And, and, you know, they get the information, they got to release it, they can't keep it to themselves or their bosses will get on them. So it, it, it's just, it, it just happened to be that way. And, I mean, for us at the hockey writers here, when we were, you know, releasing all the news, then, you know, that was good for us. But for the fan base and, you know, to kind of anticipate that uh, big reveal, it never came. So uh, for people that were on social media, that is. Yeah, I mean, I look at it in terms of the side deals and what didn't didn't happen. I think, number one, uh, GMs learned their lesson. Like, a lot of GMs looked really bad with the whole Vegas situation. Like, a team, you know, like Florida, you say, okay, you can have Riley Smith and Jonathan Marchessault, or you, you can take one of them and then pick the other, and that just turned out to be – to free tremendous top six forwards for Vegas. I think that's kind of, I see very few scenarios where I think a team should have made a move to avoid um, losing a good player. Like, like Tampa, for example, Yanni Gord, it's just, it's a cap situation. He had to go. And I think Tampa's okay with losing him. I don't see very many scenarios where GM should have, you know, paid Seattle a high premium and Seattle's smart. They knew that the price had to be really high. And it was clearly really high when you hear reports of uh, Calgary being asked to give up a first and a third to keep Giordano, which isn't even worth it. You got a guy one year left on his contract, 37 years old. So, um, you know, it's interesting how that went down. And a lot of people talking about what Seattle's team looks like, like it's very early in the process. Like I think a lot of these players that they took are not going to be on the team. I think um, you look at it and a lot of people say, you know, the team looks terrible. Well, number one, free agency hasn't started yet. Number two, the draft hasn't happened yet. Maybe they end up getting a guy at number two, but ears are power. Really the only people looked at who could play in the NHL this season, unless people view Eklund that way, which I'm not really sure that they do. And you, you could get a player, uh, that plays right away in that draft. And then UFA is going to be huge. I think they'll get a big UFA forward, I expect. But their decor uh, looks good. I think they're going to have to trade a couple of those guys out, you'd think, with the way that that looks. But, um, you know, in terms of their defensive picks, what did you like what they did uh, on the back end? Yeah, I, I, I really liked, actually, their picks. I mean, you're getting a pretty well-balanced blue line. And, I mean, if this is how it's going to be, I don't know. Like, yeah, 
I still think there's probably a move to be made uh, in there because I mean, it's but overall, if this is how they go into the season with it, it's pretty balanced. I mean, you're looking at guys like very underrated defenseman Carson Sushi uh, from Minnesota. I really liked him in the past. I wanted him to be acquired by the Canucks because of he's very underrated. Um, looking at a guy like Adam Larson, I mean, he was kind of overmatched in Edmonton as being that number one defenseman. Um, in Seattle, he probably won't be. Uh, Giordano, I still think, has a ton in the tank to be, you know, still be a high-end defenseman uh, at his age. So, I mean, overall, their defense core is actually looking pretty good. Uh, and they could even sign a Dougie Hamilton still. I mean, you don't know. Dougie Hamilton would be a really good fit there as their number one guy on that top pairing. That would be a big defensive core. You look at Alexiak there as well with Larson. And, you know, they got some good young ones too. Like, I don't know what's going to happen in terms of Kale Fleury and Lausanne and Dunn. And uh, maybe they trade one of those guys because they're going to be very deep on the back end, no doubt. And in terms of their forwards, I think their top six as it stands is not good. I think a lot of people view it that way. But like I mentioned, there's a lot that's going to happen between now and then. I mean, you look at they have a guy who's a bona fide top six winger in Everly. I think that's a good fit. Um, I probably may have gone with Josh Bailey over Everly, but Everly's fine, a right-handed shot. Um, I think Cal Yarncroke's a very solid top six, top nine type guy. Uh, Jared McCann, I think, is a solid player. We know Yanni Gord won't start the season there um, with an injury, so he'll be back at some point. I think Tanev's a really, really solid pick from Pittsburgh. I think a lot of people overlook how much he brings to a team in terms of, number one, he hits everything he sees. Number two, there's some skill there. And he has a very solid two-way game. The thing with Tanev, of course, is the contract. Uh, The term is a bit scary. Um, But in terms of the forward group, they got a lot of gritty guys. Donskoy can score. They're going to need some more scoring. But uh, what do you think their forward group looks like now? And who do you look at as who they could possibly add in the free agent market? I think guys like Jaden Schwartz and Philip Deneau make a lot of sense. What do you uh, think? Yeah, I think – Their forward group, yeah, definitely needs to be improved before the season. I mean, that's not a very strong group going in. Um, You know, you look at, yeah, Eberle's definitely a top six guy. Um, You look at Don Scoy, he was kind of buried behind some big names in Colorado. So, and in San Jose, if you want to look at it too. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, he's, he's a guy that could potentially be a Marcia so type player for them and and score 20, 30 goals. You don't know, right? It, it just ha- depends on who he has as a centerman. Um, some of the young guys that they got, it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of come in. Uh, like you mentioned, Jared McCann, he's he's kind of straight in his prime now. And, you know, I'm disappointed he's not with the Canucks anymore because I thought he had a lot of potential when he was here. And uh, he's turned into a very good uh, top six, top nine type centerman that can kind of fill in in the top six and be a very solid third liner right now. You don't know he could be a, a top line guy there mm-hmm. as well. And like be that type of Marcia. So type pick. Um, but yeah, like younger guys like Alexander true uh, guys that we don't really know a lot about uh, Joel, you know, Quenville as well, John Quenville as well. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, those guys may not even play uh, to start the season. Right. Um, free agent market is still, very much in play and same thing with trades i mean they could be trading like we mentioned before with the defense they could be trading a defenseman to get a forward back that could be in that top six um i'm looking at a guy like landis in colorado mm-hmm. uh, there's 
kind of gone south with, you know, the negotiations there. He may enter the market and go to the highest bidder and Seattle. We'll see how much they are with the cap. If they actually want to sign big contracts, Ron Francis seemed to be a bit hesitant picking guys with big contracts. I don't know how he's going to be in free agency, but we'll see. Yeah, they'll have a lot of cap space to play with, no doubt. Um, we will do a free agent podcast next week that will also discuss the draft as well because, you know, free agency opening up next Wednesday, a big day there. But um, in terms of the trades that we saw today, not a lot of action, but some action. Um, get a couple looks at this. Uh, Tyler Pitlick, in an unsurprising move, becomes the first player traded by Seattle uh, to Calgary for a 2022nd fourth-round pick. Um, you had – the Coyotes getting Shane Gostisbehere as well as a 2022 second and a 23 seventh from the Flyers for pretty much nothing, kind of like the Andrew yeah. Ladd deal. Um, you know, Gostisbehere, I think, needed a change of scenery. I think that could work. And then a very confusing move, I think, by Carolina, trading Alex Nedeljkovic's rights to uh, to Detroit for Bernier's rights in a 2021 third. Then Nedeljkovic turns around and signs a two-year, $3 million per year deal with Detroit. So I don't understand this move by Don Waddell. I think that Nedeljkovic is a guy that could be the future of their goaltending position. And I know that they're likely to bring back Morazic at this point. You'd think with Bernier maybe signing a deal there, you would assume that he would if they were going to make this deal. But what did you yeah. think about Detroit getting Nedeljkovic and kind of how this affects the draft? Maybe they don't take a Jesper Wallstedt now. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, it was a confusing move, I think. It, you know, in Carolina, they're, I don't know what they're doing with their goaltending now. All three of their guys are now unrestricted free agents. And, uh, you know, Nedeljkovic was supposed to be the goaltender of the future um, for them. And now he's in Detroit, basically probably their goaltender now. And yeah, it does. The probability does go down that they draft Wallstead at that point. I think they now draft a guy like Mason McTavish, uh, if he's still there and probably will be. And, uh, you know, and now that goaltender is probably off the table. Now they have Miguel Zalkovic because he's pretty young still. And I think he could be a really good, really good there. And so, but it was confusing on Carolina's part to be trading, it looked like their future and goal. Yeah, I don't understand that move at all. Uh, Detroit also did get an extension three years, 1.46 per, uh, with Michael Rasmussen, a, a big forward, uh, probably a bottom six type, maybe a, a middle six. We'll see. Uh, Mike Smith with a two-year, $2.2 million extension with Edmonton, which is two years for a guy that age, a little much for me. But Edmonton also doing this. It's looking like Hyman's going to sign there eight or seven years neighborhood of 5.5 million per probably more if I had to guess Edmonton would need to acquire the rights from Toronto to do eight years. Now I think Hyman's a really solid player. I think if he plays with Nick David or Drysaddle, which he absolutely would, it would work well and he would produce, but eight, seven to eight years seems a bit extreme to me. What do you think? It's it. That's an insane number for a guy like mm -hmm. Hyman is, like you said, he's a solid player. I don't think he's a superstar. He's not a big name in my mind. I mean, he played really well in Toronto. He's that spark plug type forward that just gets all over the place. Very, very productive in Toronto at you know times. And I just think that's way too much for for a guy that's of his caliber. He's not. He's not a big. I don't think he's worth that money. I'll say that. And 
if Edmonton signs him, I'm glad because the Canucks won't, because that's what everyone's kind of was worried about that Benning will go out and sign him for that as well. Yeah, I think teams get themselves in trouble with some of the terms that we see on these deals. And I think Edmonton would be doing that. It's been a very weird offseason for Ken Holland. I mean, they lose Larson uh, to Seattle on a very solid deal. They bring in Duncan Keith, who's, uh, you know, still, I think, can be okay, but he's old. They re-sign a 39-year-old goaltender to a two-year extension. Uh, quite puzzling, but a lot of time left. We'll see if they get the Hyman deal done. Uh, a couple things in the schedule. You'll have the opening night, October 12th, on ESPN in the States. It will be Pittsburgh and Tampa, then Seattle at Vegas. Uh, and then the Kraken home opener will be against your Canucks on the yeah. 23rd of October. What do you think about all that? <laughs> I, I, I like it. I mean, the rivalry kind of gets going right off right in their home opener kind of a you're going to have a lot of Canucks fans there that's for sure I mean you're going from it's just down the highway really and once the borders open there's going to be a lot of a lot of people going down there and uh, you know taking in a Canucks game and uh, in an arena that's fully renovated completely done redone so it's going to be it's going to be an interesting rivalry I think as time goes on it's already geographical the NHL is trying to kind of create more of that with their what they did the expansion draft uh, having the Canucks pick last of the ownership group come up and pick and then mention that uh, you know taking people from Seattle or not taking people from Vancouver uh, is going to Seattle so it's going to be fun I think uh, having this uh, rivalry as being geographic. You know, I get that it's a rivalry, but I, I found myself defending the Canucks last night. There were some unnecessary <laughs> shots being taken. Yeah, yeah. I the agree. Canucks. I mean, I said last night on Twitter, I tweeted, I mean, the Canucks beat the defending champs in the 2019 Stanley Cup playoffs and took Vegas to seven games. Why are we ragging on them? And, you know, I, I, I didn't get it. I mean, we're just going after the Canucks like they're a terrible team. And then we forget that they have a super young core of a couple of superstar players. So I, I just felt like I had to defend them a little bit last night, but um, you're also going to have the winter classic on January 1st, Minnesota, St. Louis. I'm hoping I can get out for that one, but we'll see. Um, and then you have the all-star game in Vegas. You have a, an outdoor game. I think where's the outdoor game. I didn't even read that Nashville or something. Uh, so that'll happen at some point. I'm sure people can figure it out while they're listening to this, but uh, let's talk some draft tomorrow night, the NHL draft. I know you're all into this uh, ahead of the prospects and the draft writing for the hockey. Race. We're going to play a couple of games, put you on the spot a couple of times, have some fun with this as we get ready for tomorrow night. We're going to start with this. We're going to put together an all all 2021 draft starting lineup. So you're going to pick a forward line, a defensive pairing, and a goaltender. We're going to start with the goaltender because I think it's obvious who the goaltender right. is, and I'll let you take that away. Yeah, just for Wallstead. I mean, there's really no – I mean, you can make an argument for Sebastian Kosa, uh, but Wallstead's a real deal. He's the number one in my mind. Yeah, I, I, I would agree that there's really no debate this year. Uh, and I think it's it's been that way a couple of years now where you know who the number one goaltender is. Uh, let's go to the forward – line you got a uh, you got a couple wingers in the center here uh who are the three that you like well i mean for centerman i'm going matt veneers i mean he's he's just the prototypical he's very good two-way uh centerman he's going to be probably a jonathan taves in the nhl at one point so veneers at center um for wing willie mecklin at left wing 
And then uh, for right wing, it's a little bit, I mean, between, I'd say right wing is, it's going to be a little tough, but I'm going to go with uh, Lysel. I mean, I've always loved it. I love his game. There's been question marks about his team play and locker room type stuff, but his skill is just undeniable. So I go uh, Eklund, Veneers, and Lysel. All right, defensive pairing. I know who one guy is going to be, but who's going to be the other alongside? I'm assuming you pick Owen Power. Owen Power, yeah, left side. Owen Power is the definite pick there. I mean, he's the thing is, is what he showed in the World Championships was just unbelievable. I mean, playing against NHL type players and playing a key role at 25, 27 minutes in the last two games. And for a guy like Gerard Gallant to put that much responsibility on an 18 year old, that's huge in my mind. So yeah, definite Owen power for the left side. Um, this is going to be tough, difficult for right side. I mean, there's not a lot of guys that can kind of match Brent Clark. So I'm going Brent Clark for right side. Uh, he's going to be a franchise defenseman in the NHL too. Very good two-way guy. Uh, maybe a bit, his skating isn't as high end as like Luke Hughes, but if you're going for right side defense, it's uh, Brent Clark. All right, we're going to do another game and another game after this, and this will be fun. So um, this is like a start-sit cut. They do this in the NFL a lot, and I'm going to do for the NFL, for the NHL's terms, I'm going to do start. You start one player, you scratch one player, you wave one player. Four different sets of players. We'll start at the bottom here, goaltending. I think I know who your answer is going to be for these three, but Jesper Wallstedt, Benjamin Goudreau, and Sebastian Kosa. You start one of them, you scratch one of them, you wave one of them. What do you got? I got starting Wallstead, that's for sure. Uh, scratching, oh my gosh. This is like, well, I'm going scratching. Yeah, it, it's going to be Kosa. I mean, over Goudreau, much as Goudreau did in the world and uh, Andre Keens there. Kosa's just done so much with in WHL this season. Is uh, He gets that edge. So, yeah, so wave uh, Goudreau. All right, this is where it gets a little harder. I think I know who you're going to start from this set, but it gets a little, you know, interesting after that. Uh, we're going to go with start, scratch, wave, William Eklund, um, Dylan Ginther, or Matthew Coronado. So what are you oh going with gosh. this? My gosh. That's just, <laughs> um, yeah, Eklund is just so good. I mean, between Ginther and Eklund, it's, it's really tough choice. I mean, Ginther kind of that, He's going to be that type of get slap type, not a centerman, but he's going to be that type of goal scorer and big guy that can score. Um, for the NHL purposes, I'm going. I'm going to actually pick Genther on this one. So Genther start. Eklund is going to be the scratch. And as much as it pains me to say it, I love Coronado. Everyone knows that um, at the hockey writers here. But I'm going to go wave Coronado as much as it pains me. All right. Uh, now we'll do. The next one, which is uh, kind of based on centerman, but I don't know how much people would consider, you know, um, what McTavish can do. I guess he's considered a center, but um, Beneers is the first guy. Start, scratch, wave. Matt Beneers, Kent Johnson, Mason McTavish. Ooh, uh, I'm going Beneers start. I mean, he's he was ranked number one on my rankings for a reason. Uh, he's just going to be a star in the NHL and every team's going to want this guy when in his prime. So I'm going Matt Benier's start uh, between Kent Johnson uh, and Mason McTavish. This is a tough one. I, I'm going to still go. I'm going to go McTavish as the scratch because 
he's just built for the NHL. I mean, the way his, his size, his skill, he's pretty much a complete package for a number one center. So uh, McTavish is that scratch. Kent Johnson's the wave as much as it's, I mean, he's so skilled, but as a centerman, I don't think he's going to be a centerman in the NHL. I just feel like he's more of a winger. Um, his skill level is undeniable, but I mean, I, I'm going to, I feel he's more of a winger in the, in when he gets here. All right. Last one. Defenseman. Owen Power, Brant Clark, Luke Hughes, start scratch wave. Go ahead. I'm going to go start Luke Hughes. I, as much as Owen Power is so good, I Luke Hughes is going to, I think, end up being the better defenseman in the NHL as being a point producer because his skating is just off the charts. I mean, you watch him skate and his acceleration and the size he has as well. As much as what Quinn Hughes is, but his brother, but he's mm-hmm. just got that size. It just puts him over the top. So I'm going uh, Luke Hughes to start. Owen Power is a scratch. And I already kind of mentioned what he can do. And Brian Clark would be the wave as much as that he's such a good defenseman too. So that's big, uh, tough choices. I mean, I really like Luke Hughes as well. I think that I've seen them talk about, you know, like his ability. I saw the interview uh, on NHL network um, with him and Quinn and Jack. And, you know, I think Quinn Hughes makes a good point talking about, you know, that Luke has similar skill set that he does, but then the size takes him over the top. I agree hundred percent with that point. Uh, let's do another game. This is a question based game. A few questions here before we get into an on the spot mock draft after a couple other discussions. Um, most likely player from this draft to score 50 goals in a season is who? 50 goals. I, I'm going to go Dylan Genther. Uh, his, his goal scoring ability and what he did in the WHL, I think is, he's very translatable to the NHL. I, I think he does hit 51 time. All right. Well, we'll see if that happens. Uh, most likely player to have a 100 point season. Well, this one's a, this one's a tough one. Um, to have a guy that can do both, to get that 100 points, you're going to need a, a scorer and a playmaker. But So I'm going to go Willie Mecklen. I, I think he can do both things really well. Uh, the fact that he can play center and wing, I, I think he's going to end up being that 100-point uh, guy eventually. All right, let's do... Uh, we'll, we'll stick with first round or second round prospects for this question. Can you name one player who you believe is overrated and one player who you believe is underrated? I'm just saying overrated being, uh, my gosh, this is a, this is a tough one. Cause there's so, it's so hard in this draft. There's so many guys that could just be, um, yeah, but I'm going to go overrated as being, uh, this is a hard one. I think a little bit overrated as Owen Power, as much as I've praised him. I I think he's overrated as a first overall pick, as an unquestioned first overall pick. There's a lot of places there's thinking, well, it's Owen Power, it's Owen Power. I think he's a little bit overrated in that sense. But uh, as much as I say underrated is Fabian Lysel. I I've kind of praised him how his and Peter can can back me up on this of how much he's going to be in the NHL. I had him rated fifth in my rankings and there's a lot of places that have him in the twenties, 25th overall who's the lowest I saw him. And I'm like, it's ridiculous. He's, he's definitely underrated. All right. Uh, which player do you think starts the season in the NHL? If any, the biggest one that I say is Matt Veneers. And uh, I say that because of his well-rounded two way game and the way he did in the world juniors, uh, he looked very much at home 
against older players. And is this two-way game will make him not be that number one center right away. But if he does play in the NHL, he's still going to be able to play that third line role quite well, just what his skill set is. All right, final one in this portion. Uh, what is a potential surprise player that slips out of the first round? Um, the slips out of the first round, I'm going to say it's like uh, Oscar Olsson. I think that's a surprising guy that could drop out of this, the first round, and he's a very skilled Swede. Uh, I think he's going to be a very solid NHLer, but there's just so many guys that could jump into the first round that may push him out. Um, another guy I'll say too is um, Factor the Leroux. And uh, that's just because of his suspension history and it's kind of question marks. I think he's a first round talent, but I think he'll drop into the second round just because of that. All right. Before we get into our uh, on the spot mock draft of the lottery picks before tomorrow night's draft, uh, let's talk about a couple of trades we might see. Do you see a potential move where we see one of these three guys move possibly on draft night? Uh, Tarasenko, who I define as unlikely to be moved tomorrow night, uh, Jacob Voracek or uh, Nate Schmidt. Do you see one of those three being dealt? And if you don't see one of those three being dealt, do you have any other names you could see being dealt on draft night? I'd say Nate Schmidt is probably going to be traded. Uh, like It seems like the talk is getting louder in the last few days, and today is especially. Uh, I think he's he may be a candidate, and seems like Benning likes doing stuff before the draft and on draft day, he's done it in the past. So I say that Schmidt may be on the move. I hope it's not for the ninth overall pick because I, I want the Canucks to pick someone here. I don't want them to be trading it away. So uh, if he is traded, don't just as long as the ninth overall pick's not included, but uh, definitely him. Another guy I'd say may come to is uh, Jack Eichel uh, in Buffalo. I know it's been talked about in the last few months. It's kind of quieted a bit here. But I'd say if anything, I had to kind of, you know, do a deal with someone. I think the draft floor is probably the best best time. I agree. I kind of wonder if teams are, you know, hesitant to want to move up in this draft. Because this draft's, you know, it's pretty unknown in terms yeah. of, you know, what's – I mean, most drafts are crapshoots. The last two have been that more than any due to the lack of seeing guys play. And the other thing that I think about with this is – Next year's draft is viewed as pretty loaded at the top. So I wonder what teams may want to get assets for next year's draft, but uh, we will see if that happens. Let's finish this off here uh, with, first of all, I want to ask, what are you looking for from the Canucks after the first round? So not in their ninth pick, but after the first round, what do you think uh, they should look into with their, their uh, capital? Well, I think they need to fill out their defense. Uh pipeline i mean after jack rathbone it's kind of slim pickings i just did an article on this on the draft guide with the the canucks draft guide and i feel they need to kind of fill out and get some more defensive depth that's surefire not maybe not surefire but very close to being that type of top four defenseman that have potential to be that i think they should focus on defense and after the first round because i think they're going to get a forward in the first round it's either going to be kent johnson Mason McTavish or, uh, you know, those types of players. Uh, Cole Sillinger's come out as being one. Uh, but I, I'd say that they definitely focused on defense in the last, after the second round. And once they get that, I think later on, just try to find some skill and some offensive skill uh, in the third to fifth. Well, they lost their third and fourth pick. So their third and fourth round pick. So their, their next pick's not until the fifth round. So 
unless they get some other assets to get something after the second, they'll be waiting around. So they get the defenseman in the second round, uh, fifth and sixth, kind of just fill out with some skill and, uh, you know, best player available type thing. All right, let's do the on the spot mock draft uh, with the first 15 picks. Uh, I want to start with Buffalo, who has the number one pick. Who do you believe Buffalo will take tomorrow night? I, I'm still on the William Eklund train for them. I, I, I'm going to pick Eklund for for first overall pick because I think they just need they need a forward to kind of settle the fan base down and exciting forward at that. Eklund's going like I said, he's going to probably hit 100 points at one point. Yeah, Eklund for Buffalo. Yeah, for me, it sure seems like it's going to be Owen Power. As much as I think that your stance on this is really, really sound, I think it would be smart to take a forward. Uh, I just think that Owen Power is kind of controlling that narrative now, and I think that he'll end up being the number one guy. Uh, Number two, Seattle, their first pick in the franchise's history. Who do they take? Well, with uh, Athlon going first overall, I'm going – they definitely have to go Owen Power then because uh, to start off their their team with the bonafide – number one defenseman, a guy that can basically log those big minutes, I'd say Owen Power. I think uh, Beneers makes a lot of sense for them, kind of a guy that could step in. Obviously, we know Ron Francis is really going to emphasize the center position, being mm-hmm. a Hall of Fame center himself. I think Beneers is a perfect center, future number one center that they could bring in and uh, make that happen. I think that would be a really nice pick. Uh, number three pick, Anaheim Ducks. Seen some of their solid first-round picks over the last few years. Jamie Drysdale, Trevor Zegras, they've done a, a good job with some of those picks. I think Zegras is going to be an absolute stud. Um, what do you think Anaheim does at three? Well, I mean, Veneer's falling down here, but I'm going Genther for them because the fact that they do have Zegras, I think they need to start getting that elite wingers now. And uh, Genther makes a lot of sense alongside Zegras. They form a ridiculously uh, skilled tandem. I'm going to go with Eklund being the number three pick, another winger there uh, for Anaheim. And I think they would run up to make this pick. I think if he's there at three, you got to take him. Uh, You obviously have him going number one, but I think if he's there at three for Anaheim, you have to take him. Uh, New Jersey, who do they take at number four? Veneers is falling more. I'd, I, I'm still going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Luke Hughes, uh, Born the brothers, and uh, they need that defense. They, their defense needs to be rebuilt, and uh, I think Hughes is the perfect choice to start that out. I uh, this is one that we agree on. I think Luke Hughes is the pick there. I think it makes a ton of sense. Not only the fact that he is the brother of Jack Hughes, but like you said, that defensive core needs fixing, and they've taken you know centers twice in the last five years in the top one pick. So the number one pick both times, he's here and Hughes. So as much as great as Beniers is, if he's there at four, I don't think it makes a lot of sense, even though I think a lot of people would say just take the best player available. But when your need is that high for defense and the best player available may not be a defenseman, but he's close and he has good ties and makes a lot of sense, it's Hughes. But we'll see what they do. Uh, Columbus at five, who do they take? Now here goes Matt Beniers. I, I'm going Columbus picking Beniers here, especially with him still on the board. I, you know, Columbus does need that injection of offense and and defense. I mean, Beniers has that two-way game. I think he would fit in really well in Columbus. 
I'm going to say Columbus takes defenseman Simon Edvinson, who is a you know big D man, six foot four. I think he does a lot of things well from the reports that I've seen and scouting on him. I think that this would be a good pick for them. I also think Beniers would be perfect if he fell or if Eklund fell. Uh, but I'm going to say Simon Edvinson is the number five pick for Columbus. Number six, Detroit, who's, you know, a lot of people, mock drafts may have changed after today for Detroit. Uh, yeah, Detroit's not, I would have picked Wallstead going here, but now that, that it's kind of changed, it's like I, I mentioned earlier, Mason McTavish. Uh, he's going to go to Detroit. I think he's the perfect number one center for them. I mean, they do have Dylan, you know, Larson there still, but I don't think he's a bonafide number one center. I think McCavish has it all. Uh, so yeah, Detroit uh, going with McCavish. I'm going to follow your lead there. I also think McTavish ends up at, in Detroit at number six. I think a perfect type of player that a winning team needs does a lot of things. Well, like you said, he can be that number two center and, you know, good contending teams need a number one center and a number two center who are good. I mean, it's pretty simple. You've seen teams that have won the cups recently. Look at the top two centers in some of those teams, point and Stamkos pretty good. O'Reilly and Shin pretty good. Washington Backstrom Kuznetsov. I mean, you got to have a very good combo. I Crosby Malkin top two centers. So it, it, it's something that you need. Iserman knows that McTavish makes a ton of sense. All right. Number seven, San Jose, who do they take? Well, as much as what they got with Aiden Hill, he's not a number one goaltender. Uh, Jesper Wallstead. I mean, you've got to go for that guy. He's still there for San Jose. He's going to be that good uh, moving down the road. Yeah, I think it's a slam dunk. If he's there, you got to take him. San Jose, it makes a lot of sense for them. Uh, who do you think the Kings take? We already have a loaded prospect pool at number eight. Yeah, number eight, it's a uh, – Isle just has so many prospects. They, they're kind of uh, loaded everywhere, really. Um, I'm going to go Matthew Coronado here. I I love him. He's, I don't know if he's going to end up being this guy, but uh, I'm going with L.A. going with Coronado. I'm going to have a uh, a player slip that you had at number three, Dylan Ginther, I think, makes a lot of sense if he's there. A lot of people very high on him. Um, I think if L.A. can get him at eight, that would be a very solid pick. Uh, in terms of your Canucks number nine, where are you going with that? Well, McTavish is gone. I would have picked him if he was still there. Um, as much as I love Fabian Lysel and what he can do, I mean, I actually, I'm just going to go with Lysel here. I, I just feel like he's got so much upside. And, I mean, as much as what the rumors are, the locker room is a problem. I mean, in a strong locker room, that can be changed. And he's a young player. He's a young man. And, you know, in a locker room with Elias Pedersen, Bo Horvat, uh, guys like that, I think the culture changes that, if that's even true. So I'm going with Fabian Lysel here. I'm going to say Brett Clark be, is the pick. A defender on the back end, right side. As you mentioned earlier, they need to build up their depth defensively. I think if Brett Clark's there, why not take him at number nine? Um, I think that would make some sense for them. Uh, Ottawa at 10, where are you going with this one? Well, I'm going to go with Ottawa going with uh, Ken Johnson. Uh, it's, it's kind of a – they have so much offense already, but Ken Johnson's still there. He, he definitely because of how – what upside he does have. I don't think – like I said, I don't think he's a centerman, but as a winger, he's still going to be a very, very high-end uh, player. I also think Kent Johnson's the pick there. 
solid pick. I would think uh, it makes a lot of sense. Number 10, let's go to Chicago at 11. Yeah, the 11, I'm going to go with uh, – I haven't picked Brent Clark yet, have I? No, you have not. Well, Brent Clark, so I'm going to drop down. And, uh, yeah, defense is still – that type of defenseman, if he's there, you definitely take him. Best player available, so, yeah, definitely. All right, for me, um, I think with Chicago and this pick here, I think it would make some sense to take – uh, a goaltender. I think a lot of people think Sebastian Kosa could be that pick, but I'm going to go with the safe centerman pick, Chaz Lucius. I mean, Taves isn't getting any younger. I think Chaz Lucius, great name in the draft, solid prospect. Makes sense there. Let's go to Calgary at 12. Calgary, I mean, they, they need a, a few things. I mean, defensive analysis, Monster, Daniel. I mean, he's an older player. I knew he wasn't going to go very much longer, but uh, Simon Evanson. Uh, a guy you had pretty high. Uh, if he drops down here, uh, Calgary's got to take him because having a franchise defenseman like that that's taken a really high since forever. So, yeah, Edmonton to Calgary. For me, I'm going to go with another center, a little bit of a run on centers here. Cole Sillinger, I think, would be a very solid pick. I've seen some people mock him there. I think that would work well. Um, their center position, I think, is going to be in flux. Over the next few years, I think they're going to make some moves. Some guys are going to be out, um, you know, looking at Sean Monahan possibly. How much longer is he going to be there? So I think if uh, if Sillinger's there, it makes sense for Calgary. Uh, 13, Philadelphia. Yeah, Philly, uh, I really like uh, getting a guy like uh, Pastajov here. And uh, I think he's, a, tip, he's a, a guy that Philly, I think, would pick at this point because of how – he kind of fits that system and how he plays. Uh, very flashy, very, uh, I mean, it's a type of physical player as well. I, I'm going to go past the job. I'm going to go with the guy that you're high on, which is Fabian Lysel at 14. As much as I see him as kind of a, if he doesn't go in the top 10, he could be a guy that drops out of the lottery due to the question marks that people may have around him. Uh, but I'm going to say that he ends up going at number 13 to Philly, uh, 14 with Dallas. Dallas, uh, I'm going to go and uh, let's see what type of guy for Dallas. I'm going to say Brendan, Off- Brendan Offman. Uh, he fits that very pesky, uh, you know, Dallas Stars has been in the past very, uh, very physical, very pesky team, uh, very good on the forecheck. Offman just kind of fits that system, that personality. I think he would do really well in Dallas. I'm going to go with another winger, which is uh, Nikita Chibrikov who you said is the best Russian player in this draft. So I'm sold a uh, solid winger for Dallas. I think, you know, as much as I like them pay, possibly taking a different winger, like Offman, like you said, um, or past past job, I think, uh, you know, I think Chibrikov will be a solid fit for them. Uh, final one here, the New York Rangers who have been in the number one spot, in the number two spot previous two years. Now at the end of the lottery at 15. And I go Cole Sillinger. Uh, he's dropped a bit, but uh, yeah, 15th to the Rangers. If they can get a guy like Sillinger there, I think they do need centermen. Uh, I think they, they definitely need a type of guy like that. And Sillinger could be that number two, number one center uh, down the line. I'm going to predict that the Rangers rip my heart out and take Pastujov, who I want for the Blues. Uh, at number 15 I think they'll take him and uh, that concludes that I will 
I wrote those picks down, so I will check them, check the boxes for both of us tomorrow night and see how that goes. Uh, Matthew, thank you for joining me as always. You can follow him at Matthew Zader SC on Twitter. Uh, he's the head of prospects, NHL draft writer, thehockeywriters.com, lead writer for the Vancouver Canucks. And Matthew, we will catch up after the draft, probably Monday or Tuesday, I think would be a good date to discuss the draft and then discuss free agency and preview that, make predictions and all that good stuff. Matthew, thank you for joining me and uh, we'll talk next week. Yeah, sounds good. It's going to be fun, fun next couple of days. Absolutely.